0: Welcome to Get Sleepy, where we listen, we relax, and we get sleepy. As always, I'm your host, Thomas. Thank you for tuning in. Tonight's story was written by Alicia and will be read by TK. It's spring in the Northern Hemisphere. And at this time of year, in the United States capital of Washington, D.C., a sea of cherry blossoms attracts visitors from all over the world. But the National Mall is not the only place to see them. In nearby Old Town Alexandria, these iconic blooms arrive with modesty and decorum. Tonight, we'll travel to Old Town Alexandria, and explore some of its most fascinating historical spots, while enjoying the beauty of spring along the Potomac River. First, though, we at Get Sleepy love Canva for Teams, and I'm so pleased they're sponsoring this show. Canva for Teams is a design platform that makes it easy for anyone to create stunning content in any format. We use Canva for all our stunning episode images, and a big shout out to Maya for those by the way, and it's just great being able to easily collaborate and share our projects between the whole team. With features designed for brand consistency, Canva for Teams makes it easy to maintain your aesthetic and add your logos, fonts and colours to anything you create. Collaborate with Canva for Teams. Right now, you can get a free 45-day extended trial when you go to canva.me slash getsleepy. That's canva.me slash getsleepy for a free 45-day extended trial. canva.me slash getsleepy. Now, I'm often asked by a number of you wonderful listeners, what's the best way to support the show? And the very best thing you can do is to subscribe to our supporters' feed, Get Sleepy Premium. As well as helping us to cover production costs of the show and keep Get Sleepy on the air, you'll also enjoy many great benefits for yourself, too. You'll have access to our entire catalogue of well over 500 episodes Everything is completely ad-free, and you'll also receive our weekly bonus episodes each and every Thursday. Tomorrow, I'll be reading a pleasant, simple story about a lady named Ruth, enjoying her gentle, fulfilling morning routine. The first seven days of your subscription are a free trial, so you can make sure you love the premium fee. Just go to getsleepy.com support, or follow the link in the show notes for more information. Thanks, everyone. So, before we hear tonight's story, just begin to relax into your bed. Your one and only priority is rest, so let go of any other sense of responsibility. If you happen to be feeling a bit restless, or even anxious about getting a good night's sleep, then I just want to reassure you that I know exactly what you're feeling. There's quite a lot of talk nowadays about the importance of sleep, and it's great that it's being highlighted so often. But I find that when I'm going through a bad patch with sleep myself, being reminded of just how vital it is can actually create a hefty amount of pressure and sleep anxiety when I come to bed. If that resonates with how you're feeling right now, I just want to remind you that you are not alone, and however bad your sleep has been of late, it can and will improve. It's unlikely you'll achieve an instant miracle fix. But you can try putting some things in place that are going to help you gradually return to a sleep pattern that helps you feel well rested. For example, I'd encourage anyone to get out for a short walk each morning, so you have some early exposure to natural daylight which will help your internal body clock to correctly align. Then, it's also important to avoid bright light later on in the evening to help you feel sleepy. As for now though, there's nothing more to be done. So just relax and listen along. It's time for our story. Snuggle down into your covers and embrace your cozy bed. Then, with your eyes closed, imagine blue skies and garden beds bursting with flowers, this is where our story begins.
1: You are standing on a tree-lined street on a beautiful spring day. This leafy avenue is bursting with buds and blossoms as if yearning to rejoin the world after another winter sleep. Visible Amongst the boughs of the trees on every corner, there are old brick buildings. Many of them are red, but some have been painted white. Together, they give you the strong feeling that you are a visitor to the past. A friend has invited you to meet her in Old Town, Alexandria, where she lives in a historic row house. You have gladly accepted. This charming riverfront neighborhood is famous for its ties to the major figures in colonial American history, with many of its landmarks and homes dating back hundreds of years. Even better, your visit coincides with one of the most beautiful times of the year in Washington, D.C. area. The cherry blossoms are at peak bloom. You're looking forward to a leisurely afternoon of taking in this famous seasonal display. Before meeting her, you have already taken a few moments to familiarize yourself with some basic information about the area. Old Town is anchored on one side by the waters of the Potomac River, and it stretches from that waterfront to the stately George Washington National Masonic Memorial on the other side. In fact, to spend any time in this charming spot is to walk in the footsteps of the first President of the United States. At the heart of the city, one can actually attend services at Christ Church, where George Washington is known to have regularly sat in pew number 60. As a teen, he also worked on a survey of the city. With a nod to the importance of this place, most American presidents make a visit to Christchurch at some point during their terms. It is the dignified front of Christ Church that you come to first as you walk to the location where your friend asked you to meet her. You have arrived a bit early, so you pause and take in the entryway of this beautiful landmark. It is both welcoming and modest despite its significance. Built between 1767 and 1773, the church was not always at the center of a bustling town. It's hard for you to imagine now, but it was reportedly once peacefully secluded in a wooded area. When it was completed, nobody knew that the colonists would soon fight for their independence from England. The English country style of the church would have felt completely appropriate for its well-heeled congregation of English subjects at the outset. You make your way to the side of Christ Church. With measured steps, you follow the faded brick sidewalk around the perimeter of the courtyard behind it, which is fenced by brick pillars and black metalwork. The interior garden is lush and well-tended. Peeking through the fence, you spot a graceful magnolia tree some azaleas that will soon be blooming, and a variety of colorful and delicate tulips already in their full glory. The garden exudes a feeling of stately peace that seems to anchor the landmark at the center of the bustling streets around you. You run your hand lightly along the fence as you pass, feeling the contrast between the rough bricks and the smooth metal under your fingers. As you drag your fingertips across the bars, a warm breeze blows over your face, reminding you that this historical spot is also very much part of the present. It is a simply glorious spring afternoon, and you are so glad to be out enjoying it. You have arranged to meet your friend just a block away in front of the replica of George Washington's townhouse. Proceeding down Cameron Street, it takes you only a few moments to get there. You can see that she is already waiting on the corner. She waves at you with a bright smile her hair blowing just a little bit in the balmy midday breeze. As you approach her, you see tiny white petals showering across the space between you. It's as if you're stepping through a delicate floral curtain When you reach her, you are surprised to find that Washington's house is less grand than what you had expected. Your friend tells you that the unassuming white dwelling is three levels, but the bottom level is partly subterranean, so it seems more like two. She explains that the original home was demolished in 1855 after becoming quite run down. This replica in front of you was constructed over a hundred years later using historical drawings. As a reference point. In fact, she adds with a laugh, it's currently available to travelers as a vacation rental. You find this funny, and you imagine people with cameras and backpacks may emerge while you are reading the aged, fine looking plaque in front of you. Luckily, nobody appears to disturb your moment of reflection. Once you've finished looking at Washington's house, your friend wants to show you another of her favorite old town houses. She suggests you go on a short walk to a truly amazing home nearby. But she doesn't reveal any more details. She just gently steers you in the right direction. As you stroll along the elegant street, the townhomes are a feast for the eyes. Modest in size, but dignified in manner, many of them have gas lamps outside, creating a feeling you have stepped back in time. Some are red brick, and others are painted white, blue, or yellow. Many of the houses are only two levels above the ground, whereas others are thin but tall, boasting three floors. Black iron railings, stairs, and gates frequently stretch in a line ahead of you uniform and glossy in appearance. Although the styles of the homes vary, most of them are kept up nicely. Thoughtfully decorated doorways appear to be a neighborhood tradition. There are lovely spring wreaths on many doors displaying the trademark pastels and delicate floral themes of the season. You admire their landscaping as well. The tiny gated courtyards and front walks burst with forsythia, tulips, and daffodils, It doesn't take long to get to your next destination. You find yourself standing in front of an extremely narrow townhome. Your friend explains that it is called the Spite House. Measuring a mere 7 feet wide and 25 feet deep, It was built in 1830 by the man who lived next door in order to block the passage of people who were using his alleyway without his permission. It is truly the coziest and most comical little house you can imagine. The front is currently painted a deep blue with black shutters. Sandwiched in between the larger white and red homes on either side, it looks to be quite a fixture now. Boasting all the colors of the American flag, the trio form a very patriotic group. You think to yourself that it would be awfully fun to live there, even though it's apparently only 325 square feet of space. There is one window on the second floor, right over the front door. You imagine a person leaning out of it, with a cup of coffee to talk to friends on the sidewalk. Despite its curmudgeonly name, this house is completely delightful. After showing you the Spite House, your friend suggests you head toward the Potomac River waterfront. The two of you take a leisurely stroll in that direction, passing more row houses and different shops and businesses along the way. Here and there, you see the hallmark flowering cherry trees the area is known for. It is the time of year these trees are the stars of the show. Their exuberant blossoms float through the air around you in delicate shades of pink. The petals rest everywhere on the ground. Your favorite variety are the weeping cherry trees which drape their graceful bows over sidewalks and benches, as if bowing deeply to spring. Their blossoms fill the sky above your head with vibrant pink shades that dance in the dappled sunlight. you are soon at the green expanse of Founders Park, where you can see some boats tied up on the water. Turning and pointing to a large brick building on the right, your friend says she thought you might like to see a place called the Torpedo Factory you are intrigued and ask her to tell you more. As you make your way to the front door of this large and imposing building, she gives you the background. She tells you that, as the name indicates, starting right at the end of World War I, and carrying on through World War II, the plant had manufactured torpedoes. Once those were no longer needed, it had become a federal records facility. In the 1970s, however, the building was renovated and repurposed as an art center. It took some time, but the building had 225 resident artists by the time it was officially opened in the early 80s. As such, it was now about to celebrate its 50th year as a vibrant artist community. The first thing you see when you enter the building is an impressive black vintage scale. The plaque indicates that it was actually used in the former munitions plant. You peer through the glass that covers its face and scrutinize the gears within. The old-fashioned scale forms quite a contrast with the contemporary warehouse vibe of the interior. The space is refreshingly open. The artist's studios line the edges of the building and you can see the two upper floors encircled by open walkways and catwalks that allow people to look down into the center. The railings, light fixtures, and studio doors are painted cheerful primary colors. Although it is a vintage space in its own right, this venue certainly provides a nice change from the much older colonial era structures outside. As you stroll around, peering through the windows of the studios, an unbelievable variety of art appears. Beautifully woven fibers drape over mannequins, soft and intricate. Sketches, woodblock prints, and oil paintings stretch the length of each hallway, arranged like separate small scenes in a showbox. One studio is for an artist who creates unbelievably delicate and intricate models of ships out of wood and paper. Collectively, these studios inspire you to plan a future museum trip. buy some special art for yourself soon. It is a truly remarkable community, all under a single roof. To see this hotbed of art that has sprung from a munitions factory makes you smile. After both of you have wandered every level of this amazing facility, your friend has the excellent idea to head to an outdoor cafe for a light patio lunch. You can imagine nothing you'd love more right now. Luckily, She says the ideal spot is quite nearby. You follow her out the back of the torpedo factory and find you are looking at the elegant waterfront. Large seafood restaurants have maximized their outdoor space here with loads of covered tables. A white riverboat with yellow trim sits nearby, waiting for its next excursion. There is a small ticket booth, but it is currently closed. All is quiet on the river. You walk slowly next to the drifting water. The park is cheerful and well kept. You admire the bright pansies in the garden beds, the lush green lawns, and the waving cherry trees bursting with flowers. You can smell the sweet perfume of blossoms when the breeze blows just the right way. Closing your eyes for a moment, you lift your face to the spring sunshine, reveling in its warmth. After strolling a block or two, You follow your friend as she makes a right-hand turn away from the riverfront. New delights await just a block or two away. You find yourself on charming, historic King Street with restaurants of all types lining both sides of this thoroughfare. The mood is festive. One establishment blends into another here with only the color of the table umbrellas to indicate where one restaurant borders another. Your friend asks if you want pizza, or tacos, or perhaps seafood. You ponder the question. The two of you eventually settle on a seafood restaurant with an elegantly dressed waitstaff, and request a table outside. Maryland crab cakes are a specialty of the area, so you are pleased when you see them on the menu. After you and your friend place your order, you sip your lemon water and watch the activity in the street. It is a good-natured crowd And you can see the foot traffic is a mix of shoppers, tourists, and locals. Scanning the row of restaurants, you see parents with their children, friends catching up over a meal, and people who are enjoying some solitude with a cup of coffee And a newspaper. Everyone seems to be enjoying the sunny spring day and the scent of the cherry blossoms. The crab cake is delectable. It is served with remoulade and perfectly cooked shoestring fries. Savoring each bite, you gladly finish the entire meal as you and your friend get caught up on each other's latest news. The atmosphere at the outdoor table is so pleasant that you wish just a little bit that you could stay all afternoon. Stretching out your lunch as long as possible, you both accept refills of your water and follow your lunch with a nice cup of tea. However, With both of you feeling recharged by your lovely lunch break, your friend easily entices you back to the street. She wants to show you a fascinating historical spot that is right around the corner. Under your friend's direction, You arrive in front of a stately brick building called the Apothecary Museum. Your friend opens the door and you enter a spacious room that is set up just like an elegant old-fashioned drugstore. Hand-blown glass jars of ingredients line the walls, perched neatly on beautiful white shelves. As you look at all the containers that fill the room, your friend tells you the apothecary was a local fixture from 1792 to 1933, offering medicines, soap, And perfumes, medical equipment, and even farm and garden items. She adds that when the apothecary finally closed in the midst of the Great Depression, local people rallied to buy it at auction, saving the building and its contents. All of those items were turned into the museum where you now stand. Lowering her voice reverently, your friend says she has heard even some of the contents of the jars are original. It is hard to believe, but you must admit that they all look quite authentic. You spend a few minutes, slowly, making your way around the room, imagining a time when a person might have regularly come here, or a remedy, or prescription. Looking down, you are fairly certain that the floors are original to the building. They are dark wood with long, irregularly worn boards, and they provide a rich backdrop to the clean, painted counter. The entire place brings to mind fantastical stories about magic, and potions. You find yourself wishing drugstores could still feel this mysterious. As you exit the museum, your friend says she wants to show you one of Alexandria's best preserved streets. It's called the Captain's Row. Of course, like so many amazing sights in Old Town, it's also right around the corner. You are surprised when your friend relates that this is one of only two remaining cobblestone streets in Old Town Alexandria. Rounded stones at your feet are lovely and quaint. Spreading across the street between the two brick sidewalks, they look oddly natural as they were once a riverbed. The blooms from nearby trees nestle all over the road. In the crevices between the stones, forming tiny white and pink rivulets. The homes in the Captain's Row date as far back as the Revolutionary War, although some have been restored since a fire swept through in 1827 destroying the originals. Some are red brick and others are painted. The homes appear to be terraced in steps down toward the harbor. Your friend says that, as the name suggests, Many sea captains lived here when the riverfront was a bustling port. The two of you walk slowly up the street, taking in the black and blue shutters and the occasional bright red door. Looking up at the many chimneys, you imagine what it was like when the homes were only heated by fires. You feel a bit like a time traveler. The afternoon is getting late and you know you should head back to your car. Luckily, your friend says there's one last historical site you can see on your way back. She says it's just a few blocks further on. She says it's just a few blocks further on. The two of you slowly stroll just a couple of streets over and are soon standing in front of Gadsby's Tavern Museum. Your friend tells you this was originally the site of two taverns and a hotel that were built a short time after the Revolutionary War. These establishments served food, offered overnight accommodations, and hosted events, some very grand. In fact, a man named John Davis wrote in 1801 that Gadsby's was the best house of entertainment in the United States. Indeed, it was a favorite haunt of such luminaries as George and Martha Washington and Thomas Jefferson who held his inaugural banquet there in March of that very year. Your friend motions to you to follow her around the corner. Then, with a mischievous grin, she descends into a small alcove beneath the sidewalk. You follow her, curious to see where she is going. Just below street level, you find a glass window looking into a stone cavern that measures 17 feet in diameter and 11 feet deep. The plaque there tells you it is the ice well that served Gadsby's Tavern. It once held over 60 tons of ice that would be cut from the Potomac River each year and used for chilling drinks and making ice cream because it was considered an enormous delicacy at the time. The fact that Gadsby's offered ice cream elevated its reputation, making it one of the best establishments in the country in the 18th century. Apparently, Many of the old ice wells have been forever lost to time and progress. You are glad this one is still here for you to see, and you realize you have become more thankful for modern ice-making techniques. Having seen this last historical curiosity, you tell your friend you have had an absolutely lovely day. You have walked through history, toured an art center, and eaten a perfect crab cake. Even better, You have also had the privilege of enjoying the cherry-blossom trees during their spectacular peak bloom. Looking around you at the elegant brick homes and storefronts of Old Town Alexandria, you resolve to meet your friend here again soon. After parting from her, you walk back toward Christ Church, where you pause again and gaze into the peaceful courtyard. Even more than this morning, you have the sense of this time honored place, quietly enduring as the seasons have cycled and changed around it, year after year after year. You lean your head against the pristine black metal fence and take in the tulips, gently waving in the breeze. you see the petals of the flowering fruit trees drifting once again through the air and twirling down to rest on the pavement. You smile to yourself, knowing spring has renewed this place once again. Later that night, You lie in your cozy bed with the spring air flowing through a small crack in your window. Distantly, in the streetlight, you can see the ghostly flutter of a neighbor's soaring cherry tree as it dances in the gentle, Evening breezes, smiling to yourself, you close your eyes and relive the sights of old town Alexandria. Bricks give way to a river of cobblestone. that flows smoothly toward the banks of the Potomac River. And in your mind's eye, you look toward the sky and see an endless sea of pink cherry blossoms waving in the sunlight.